You're listening to the Great to Greater podcast with Tiffany Rufino, where we talk about all things business and life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Tiffany Rufino here with the theater to my movie, Mr. Jeff Rufino. Say hi, Jeff. Hello. Thank you for not doing the hi, Jeff part. Yeah, I feel like Today I've done it day. a few times. You wait a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, on a side note, actually, it's not a side note. Interestingly enough, this kind of fits our topic. But I thought Cobra Kai was such a great season last night. <laughs> like all of last night, it was such a great season. <laughs> it, it's so weird to me that um, you know us nineteen hundreds people seeing that uh, the whole season happens in one day now. I never realized how much commercials interrupted our life previously when watching television and cable and things like that and how little patience we had to sit through like a whole season of a television show. We had to wait week by week and mm-hmm. yeah, we didn't technically we didn't watch the whole season last night because we had a couple episodes under our belt, but like it was a really good season, I thought. Yeah, I thought it was good. Um for me, it was the right <clears throat> mix of um 80s montage <laughs> montages um i'm not gonna go into any spoiler stuff oh yes yes because it is new i don't want to spoil it for yeah anybody. but um the right mix of that but see what had happened was no <laughs> <laughs> um plot armor like a whole bunch of oh my god moments um for those not- of you that are are not caught up cobra kai is the um like re surgeons of the karate kid um you know just later in life and uh just continuing the story so we're how many seasons in five yeah Four or five? this was the fifth season fifth season so uh if you're not caught up or you didn't even know about it check out netflix season five well start with season one if you didn't know about it but <laughs> uh yeah it was it was really entertaining um but it it kind of brought me to this point where I wanted to discuss this topic uh, and take a break from last week's topic, which we got a lot of great feedback on on TikTok. So thank you guys for jumping in. Um, I, I do want to shout some people out a little bit later on in the episode for their comments and suggestions for leadership. But last week was a little heavy with mental health in the workplace and mental health in work performance. Um, and so we got some great feedback again, like I said, on TikTok about what leaders can do for um, situations like that. And I'll share those a little bit later in the episode. So thank you guys for joining. And we thought, you know, although we have a part two and probably a part three for that series, let's step away for a second. And um, not that this is an easier topic or uh, less important, but we're going to go into a topic that I've coined as quiet firing. We've talked about quiet quitting. Now, quiet firing, Jeff, what would you think that is? That's like, well, if quiet quitting is where people... Are, and, and we did discuss that it was kind of a misnomer, but it's where people are just doing the bare minimum as an employee, then would quiet firing be where the is leader... Is it the bare minimum or is it what's expected and it's the standard? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so would quiet firing be a leader doing the bare minimum as a leader? No. Um, in quiet firing, this is where it's it can be identified as bullying in the workplace or it can be identified as a lack of confidence in a leader or it can be identified just in um lack of being a leader uh, in one sense and and there's another perspective too but let's talk about leadership first so this is where a leader doesn't have the appropriate documentation or uh, identified behaviors of an employee that would qualify them to be able to terminate the employee's uh, employment with them. So either they haven't documented appropriately according to company policies or according to, uh, you know, federal or state guidelines, um, or they haven't, the employee hasn't demonstrated any reason why they should be fired. Like there's nothing, they didn't do anything wrong based on what their job is they're performing 
as expected. They're um, meeting the standards of what's expected. They, uh, you know, have don't have like terrible reviews from customers or, you know, um, like they there's literally nothing that they've done wrong except for there is a disconnect between leadership and this employee. And it could be that maybe leadership doesn't like the employee. Maybe uh, the employee had uh, just has a sense of humor that the leader doesn't like and they just don't click. Or maybe the leader just has a bad vibe about the employee. Or, um, or it, maybe they're overstaffed and they just decided to pick somebody instead of, you know, reorganizing. Maybe. Yep, absolutely. Uh, or they inherited this person sometimes a leader takes over a different area or they get promoted and they take over an area and they may not have hired this person but now that this person is on their team they're like this is not a person that i work well with um i probably wouldn't have added them on but i gotta find a way to get rid of them so instead of trying to connect with the employee and build that relationship find something in common work with their strengths see them as an asset the leader starts creating an environment that's toxic for this employee, uh, whether it's just between their communication one-on-one or whether it's whenever there's like a visit in the store or whether they're working together. Um, maybe it's shutting them out, shutting them down, um, you know, not doing anything that would get the leader necessarily unemployed or fired themselves, but also not going out of their way to uh, make the employee feel included like they do with other employees. So that's my version of quiet firing. And I, I say this because, you know, especially with what we've watched through Cobra Kai, not necessarily like this past season, but throughout it, there's been scenarios where leadership has looked to make an employee or a student or um, somebody not included in what's going on and creating an it's a tense environment and also creating a lack of confidence in somebody and uh, doubt and also the feeling that they can't perform up to what's expected so that person ends up leaving versus staying and I've experienced this in my work career, um, not often, thankfully, and uh, you know, I I know how this feels, and I was wondering if you have experienced it prior to me sharing my story. Um, yeah, I did uh, one time. Uh, I think you're familiar with the story, and maybe once. It, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. We don't talk much, but we catch up on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, so it's because of your commute to work. It's just. <laughs> It's, we don't it, get to talk. <laughs> it's such a long commute. I know it's terrible. So when I when we first moved um, into Florida here, um, the I was working for a, a company and I was an inherited employee for my then boss, mm-hmm. and they were not a fan of that. They made it very clear that they didn't want um, me on their team. And the uh, the environment for me got really, really uncomfortable. Um, and so at that point, I chose to leave instead of staying. And, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot more history to that, but we won't go into all those today. <laughs> so you chose to leave instead. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and what do you think was uh, the, I guess the pinnacle because it was from day one that they didn't that you didn't mesh well with everybody correct well yeah or that they didn't mesh well with well whatever yeah the environment well it really was just the the boss like i i the team itself wasn't bad it's interesting that you say boss and not leader because we worked so hard on the podcast to like not use that word but like Mm -hmm. specifically you chose to use boss yeah and in in this case this was for all intents and purposes, 100% a boss um, and not a leader. Mm. But for me, at that time, I had a perception that I did not have job security. And because I had that perception, the very next thing I wanted to do was get out of Dodge. Yeah. Because if I don't feel like I have job security and I have... Uh, whether it's rent or a mortgage, bills to pay, what have you, um, 
I can't feel good working in a, in a place not knowing if you know I'm going to put in a, a 120% effort today and then tomorrow it's going to be gone I'd rather put that effort toward going to something that will give me the job security right right so that from my perspective at that moment that was the the only concern for me was the fact that um I did not want to get left as soon as I felt like I was getting pushed out a little bit I did not want to get left in that situation. I didn't want to consider myself like a victim of circumstance, so to speak. So I just said, you know what? I, it's a it's an old thing that's been ingrained in me. I can sweep the floors anywhere. Right. And so um, that's what I did. And that's I what you chose to do. Yeah. 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 Because uh, I mean, tying it back to last week's episode, mental health is more important than the job itself. If that's what's you know being compromised, I would say. And similarly, that's a word, right? Similarly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a lot of syllables. <laughs> um, for me, also being inherited coming down to Florida, um, because I had relationships in New York with the same organization, and now I'm working with different outlets in Florida from the same organization, I was perceived... And thankfully, you know, I I made some relationships where somebody told me this in confidence. I was perceived as a threat and a spy in the locations in Florida. And as a person that had a different work style than the people around me, um, you know, I I worked very quickly. I'm a hustler. I get things done. You see me do do it around the house. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I get things like... Boom, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. They're just done. So when I would do that in the store, the pace, it's almost like the Matrix. Like, I just felt like everything slowed down and I'm just, like, zooming through things. Or Zootopia. Wasn't there a scene in that? <laughs> the squirrels, like, running across the lawn or whatever. Anyway, I, mean, yeah. I probably have the wrong might movie. be over. I think Zootopia had the sloth, and then over the hedge had the, the really the hedge. fast yes, yes, yes. squirrel. So if you could just picture me as a Disney character, okay? Like, just pick a really good one. And um, everybody else was like the other Disney characters. <laughs> 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 and so I, I'm there to do a job. And so I go ahead and I get the job done while everybody is kind of taking their time throughout the day to get the task done. Now, I'm not doing the task wrong. I'm not doing it sloppy. I'm doing it exactly as expected. I just want to make the most of my day. So I'm, I'm moving through things. And I think that uh, based on what was shared with me, there was this perception, A, that I was a spy and that was reporting back to the people I had relationships with in New York that held higher positions um, and sharing with them what happens in the store, that I was sharing that they don't work as hard as I do and that um, there's more that could be done Uh, that I was sharing the conversations that you know I was sharing how people felt about the company and and all this stuff which I wasn't I really had cut ties with the people in New York because they didn't have the people that I knew didn't have a connection to the stores in that way so a it never made sense for me to to like go back and share all this stuff and um, B, that's not what I was there for. I was there for a paycheck. And so, um, you know, when I first started working in the stores, I was working very far away. Uh, it was probably almost a two-hour drive. And although I loved the manager at that store and I loved the people there and I loved the location, it really just didn't make sense for me to travel that far. And so... Um, I transferred to a store that was a little bit closer and and got a lot of training because that was a really large location and and everybody was cool there. It was when I got to my first home store that it wasn't cool. Um, The manager that was there, uh, we did not get along at all. (laughs) And um, so things started to go downhill and it was just, you know this because ironically, your store that you were just referring to was in the same shopping plaza as mine. So we worked right next to each other there. Yep. And I was miserable going to that store because um, I just didn't feel that I was included with the exception of one of the department managers. Actually, there was like two department managers that I was pretty close with. Um, But as far as the store manager goes and what um, they would give me as my schedule and and things like that, like I really started to feel shut out, picked on. And it wasn't like it was just like in my head. It 
it even came back to me that they were um, this particular store manager was annoyed that I transferred down with a New York salary because New York obviously pays differently and the the cost of living is different in New York versus Florida. So the fact that I was able to do that, um, I, maybe it was perceived that I had more powers <laughs> or more like tie-ins or things like that. Whatever it was, all the feedback came back to me. And I... You know, I went and I ended up going to one last location, uh, which was a bigger volume store. So it worked out better for me career wise because of the volume of the store. However, if I thought the experience at the previous store uh, was uncomfortable, this was probably 10 times worse. And there was one person in particular that really made life a living hell every time we worked together. And what was so bad about it is that it was walking on eggshells around her and she was in a higher position than I was and had uh, tenure in the store and the relationships with the store management and things like that. But um, with her, she was so like really nice to your face and then really passive aggressive. And um, like the comments, if you try to join a conversation or try to be part of uh, you know, a, a group experience or things like that, then it was, you know, you're cut out of the conversation and she would turn and face another person and directly like shut you out from the conversation. And it would happen all the time. But if you guys were one on one, then super syrupy sweet, trying to get to know you, trying to get to know a little bit about your history and who you know, who you talk to, what you do with your life. And then you'd find out there were jokes made about you later on based on what you shared with this person. And, you know, you sit there and you're just like, why? Like, why? What What does me being here do for you in a negative way other than me being here and doing things that you clearly don't want to do? And if you wanted my job, then why didn't you go for it, right? Like, so um, I know the feeling from the employee side uh, in actually a couple of situations where you're getting shut out and you're slowly being phased out of the role. And I think as always, what I say in hindsight, that's the universe protecting you and pushing you out of something where you shouldn't have been in anyway, right? Like my, the gift that I was given when I was born, I don't think I was using at my potential in that role anyway. So that's why the universe keeps pushing you out of roles or keeps changing your course unexpectedly. It's because you're not using your gift in the way that you were intended to. And that's something that I also heard Steve Harvey say recently. And it really just hit me like, what's your gift to the world? And are you doing that in your job? And I'm going to put that on TikTok and have people answer that because I'm really curious um, I'm kind of going a little bit off the topic here, but like everybody talks about college degrees and then like, are you doing the job that matches your college degree? And most of the time it's no, you're not. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think about that too. Like you're born with a talent um, to make the world a better place. Does your job match your gift and your talent in making the world a better place? And if it doesn't, then what would you be doing if you could be doing it? And would everything kind of fall into place if that was the case if you were really doing what you were supposed to be doing if you were doing what the universe put you here to do and really utilizing your gift and inspiring or just sharing yourself and your brightest light with the world would everybody around you be the people that were supposed to be around you and be the people that help um build you up and builds the business and builds your skill set and you build their skill set and it's just a cohesive environment where nothing goes wrong like imagine that if people you know really set out to do what they wanted to do instead of what somebody told them they should do or i'm gonna go into like next week's episode so i'm gonna stop right there <laughs> so okay i'm off my soapbox there um so like i said in hindsight yes it worked to my benefit in the history of my employment. Um, but in the moment, you still start to overthink and doubt yourself and your skill set of, well, especially at the age that I was, because I, I was younger um, and in a young mindset, especially being a young leader. I'm sitting there looking at leaders that are A, older than me, and I'm, I've always had respect for older, you know, 
seasoned people, let's not say older, let's say seasoned people, (laughs) um, you know, you respect people that have the tenure and the experience and you want to learn from them. But then at the same time, you're also looking for approval in a way, you know, like that's something that your ego needs. And so when you don't get that approval, you don't get that encouragement, you don't get the, hey, attaboys, um, you're sitting there like, well, darn, what did I do wrong? Like, am I in trouble? Am I, you know, then you do start getting the feeling that like you were feeling at your job of, um, you know, this is not a place I want to be in. This is not a place that really I'm going to thrive in. I wonder what motivates leaders to do the, the type of passive aggressive things that cause like what, what you are talking about, like the quiet firing, because, you know, for me as an employee, I'm, I'm pretty like loudmouth. Like I just, Hey, I don't like this. I like this, whatever. But if you pair that with like the power of, you know, leadership right you know the title and all that other stuff you would think that it would be easier to say hey this performance is or there's a part of your your essence that's not up to snuff i need that and you can go the negative route like i need that to change right as opposed to um let's see how we can nurture it and and hone it so that it's doing the right thing what would cause somebody to instead shell up, so to speak, and, and just say, hey, I'm going to very quietly just be passive with it and... and Push them to the edge. Yeah. I want to uh, address something that you just mentioned in that, you know, like, hey, your essence isn't pairing up or matching up to what I need it to be. So I need you to, like, shore up and whether that's coming from the you know, bullying aspect or whether that's coming from, hey, let's try to work it out. My first question would be, well, up to what standard? Because if this is what got me here so far and you're the first person that has a problem with it, then what standard are you asking me to be a part of? And what are the what are the indicators that I should be matching up to? Because my identity as a person should not be attacked for the workplace. It's what I do, you know, here mm-hmm. and how I perform. And at this point, we either don't have to work together, which is fine. Like I, I can work an opposite schedule if I, you know, feel the environment is fine all around me. But if you're my direct leader, and whether you inherited me or you hired me, and you feel differently either way after the fact, it is your job as a leader first to communicate, and you know. You have to communicate within yourself of, okay, what exactly is it that's not clicking with me in this employee? Like you have to identify what that is. And you have to identify, is that personality based or is that work performance based? Because work performance based, you can coach to, right? And if it's personality based, then you really have to decide, okay, what can I do within myself to get around this? Like, is this something that I really can't deal with? I think about like couples who get into arguments because one smacks their lips when they're chewing. Or if it's like, you know, they scrape the fork on the plate and, you know, the other one is at the point where that's it, I'm leaving, it's over. And you think, okay, let's let's go to therapist and let's talk about it. And why are you leaving your your partner? Because they scrape their fork on the plate. That's the line. Like, that's really what that's after all the the effort that you put into this, that's where you're going to say, I'm done. And you're willing to move on and get somebody new that's going to handle your bs and that's going to understand you and all this stuff like just based on that one th- so you really have to sit there and not even decide that i think you kind of have to get over yourself on that i don't think that's really up to you to decide uh if that person should go just because you have like this uh i'm gonna say fetish with <laughs> you know uh this person's quirks or who they are what makes them who they are yeah i mean i see hesitation no no i i'm trying to word this correctly um we don't do that here clearly we don't go to work to make friends and so like if i have somebody on my team that I, i never think we don't go to work to make friends it's just an added benefit if it happens after that 
Think about the people in our lives who stayed friends after we were in a work environment with them. Yeah, and it's great, but it's really like when I say added benefit, it's it's. I said added benefit. Well, okay. When I when I perceive, <laughs> you know, when I hear ad, added benefit, what I hear is like a lotto ticket. Like if you work with a thousand people and you make friends with two of them, great, good, good work. But when it comes to the work environment. These never... opinions and views are brought to you by Jeff only and are not represented by Tiffany Rufino. Um, <laughs> I I don't think of I, I I've never been on a project and thought, man, I I don't want to be on this project because I can't see myself getting a beer with that person. It, it just doesn't right. enter my brain. Right. Yeah, it, that's not what we're here for. Yeah, I just think. What, which part of it do you want to tackle? Which part of it do I want to tackle? And I think if you think about like a pizza delivery person or a door dasher or whatever, you order food. I never look at DoorDash and think, hmm, do I want to hang out with this person? I just think, oh, they got my food on time. That should be the person you want to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, but, Somebody who hooks you up. But, but I'm saying like maybe maybe that DoorDash person, if I had a you know 20 minute conversation with them, I wouldn't have anything in common with them. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, it, who cares? The, and I think it's just, if you take that mentality and bring it to work, we're here to do a job. We're not here to, like, it's cool if you guys have personalities that gel, but we're, not, we're, we're adults. We're not here to become, you know, a, a club of some kind. No, but I think you have to be a team. And, you know, one of the things that is, when you think about behavioral science, the actual, um, the essentials that humans need, the top essential is a community, right? So uh, their environment is important as a human race uh, to, to have as a human to feel included, to feel part of something, to have a group of people that they can be with and identify with and in a work environment where you spend probably more than half the time there than you would at home you have to create an environment like that now i can understand if the leader every time they gave direction they're challenged by this employee like we're going to move this here and we're going to rearrange this here and the employee is like why that's stupid that's a waste of time we don't need to do this and they're always challenging the process in a way that's unprofessional, but then that gives direction for a discussion and then it could lead to like, you know, um, the documentation that's needed because of the attitude and not being a team player in, uh, you know, maybe the approach to the conversation and in the environment, maybe it's on the floor in front of customers, that sort of thing. But your customers um, in a service environment, like whether it's a restaurant or whether it's in a store environment or even an office environment, office environment is a little different because chances are you're not going to have customers coming through there unless it's like a car dealership because, you know, that's an office environment inside, right? You have all like the different cubicles and stuff. Um, When you walk in as a customer, you can feel the tension. You can cut through it. Like you could feel if it's like really chilly in there and not temperature wise, just attitude wise. You could see the look on people's faces. You, you know, I know that I pay attention to every like bodily, body movement, you know, a flicker of the eyes, a look, uh, a, a raise of the eyebrow to another employee when somebody says something, you know, just, just to see what the environment is. And, you know, if they're faking it for the customer and that sort of thing, because I'm looking for, uh, I guess safety as a customer and trust and if i'm seeing that something's going on behind the scenes and they're pretty obvious about it it, i'm just not going to feel comfortable making a deal in that place so also if you're looking for retention of your employees which i think you also get like a federal tax credit at this point from like you know the covid era if you were able to retain customers and not customers sorry employees or bring them back or things like that. There's money coming to you from the government for doing that, just throwing that out there. Um, But being able to retain employees is part of having an environment that they feel, you know, that they're thriving, that they're learning, that they're growing, or at least that they're treated well and they're being paid well for it, or they're doing what they love, right? Um, You know, some people may work at a place that you and I may not choose, or we may look at as like, yeah, that's probably not a place I'd work at, but 
they might love what they do or they might love who they do it for or what the company stands for. Uh, but they're, if they're in an environment where they don't feel safe emotionally and mentally because of their leader, they're not going to stay. And I think that leader needs to be penalized for it. And also their boss should be very aware of what's going on in that that dynamic in that group and say, hey, you know, it's been like two months and you've lost three employees, like what's going on here? And kind of see what the pattern or relationship is, or at least have that conversation of how's it going with you and your team, right? Like talk to me about the relationships you have with your team. Stop focusing on numbers first. Start focusing on the conversations about people and, you know, talking about uh, how's this person doing? You know, what's their strengths? What's something that, you know, you wish were different with them? And what have you done to work with them on that? And once you work and develop people, then the numbers and everything else will follow. But everybody is so paranoid and so worried about not having the numbers that that's, and I said, I preached this before, I think like on two podcasts ago, uh, that they're, they're forgetting the people aspect and they're going to the number aspect to impress everybody above them because everybody's on edge about losing their job, losing the business, losing their, uh, you know, location and having to split up and merge into other locations because, you know, inflation is a real thing. Um, people not being paid enough is a real thing. People uh, not being able to afford their lives is a real thing. And people not going out and shopping and spending as much money is a real thing. And that's affecting businesses. And business, businesses would rather do everything they can to get the numbers to reflect, to look good, than they would um, spending the time developing employees. They just want people that would just get in, get it done, get the numbers, and let's move on. And that's not the time that we're in now. And I don't think we're going to be back in that time for a long time. Um, I think I want to give a story of two different people that I've worked with um, over the years. And they both have, they're both, we'll, we'll call them hypothetical, but they're based on real people. I'm not even going to give them names. They both have very grating personalities. One of them every single time that there's a project to be worked on or a deliverable or something and there is a step of that process that you have to reach a decision point they want to litigate it to the end of the earth they just ask why 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 can't we do this why can't we do that and when you reach the point where you've reached an accord they have asked why so much that now they kind of reach an understanding and they go okay so we've decided we're going to do this. This is what we're going to do. And then they keep it moving. Can I pause you right there real yeah. quick? Is that a matter of them asking why? Because it wasn't communicated fully. It was just more of like, here's the bullet points of we need to do this. We need to do it now. And let's get it done. For the purpose of my story, it's why? Because they want to do a thing a certain way. And they feel like if they say why a lot, you'll do it their way. Do you think that's what it is, or do you think it's a respect of understanding so that they, because they could stay compliant and quiet and then go ahead and mm -hmm. do it their way, but actually taking the time to ask why so that they understand it and can move forward with that um, understanding, they'll do it, you know, to their full capability. Sorry to, I know it's a hypothetical, but I really want to, it's no, a good and point that, to dig a, into. Th that is a good point to dig into, but um, no, and, and you know what? No, but like let's 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 take that as the path. Um, yes, and that and I think that's a good way to perceive it is somebody's asking why you assume positive intent because at first you start thinking what I'm thinking, which is because just, I said so. They just want to do well. They just want to do it their way, so they're I completely asking me. Went left on that one. <laughs> they they just want to do it their way, so they want to continue to just do their thing, and they and Change that's why they're scary. asking why because yeah. they want to browbeat me into it. But if you think about it as they they're just asking why to understand, then at the end of everything, okay, cool. The second person, no matter what the why is, they do not want to move an inch. They say, I, I think this is stupid. I don't want to do it. Um, 
I don't know why we have to do it this See, way. See, that would be the person that I would perceive as the browbeater as opposed to the person that's saying why. Because the one saying why is asking questions versus debating it or mm-hmm. defi- being defiant about it, right? Whereas the second person is completely resistant. And I'm I'm like you. I'm, oh, I like movement forward. So once we've done and destroyed a decision to the point where we've decided to go this way... Unless there's something catastrophic where we say, oh, no, there's snakes or something crazy. I don't like relitigating decisions. If it's just a subjective thing of we could go this way or this way and, and either way, like we're, we're saving 10 minutes here or there. Once we've decided, we lose a lot of time if we turn around. So I just like moving forward. But the second person is one where, in my experience, ha- will continuously say I want to do it my way, I want to do it my way, I want to do it my way. No matter how many people are saying, well, we kind of... And even in a case where you have to do it for whatever reason, the other way, whether it's because there's a third party involved that makes you do it, or that's just the way that, you know, there's a technical reason why you have to do it that way, or whatever. Or maybe a confidential reason that the company yeah. can't disclose. Yeah, right. sometimes sometimes the reason is because, you know, right. we, we've all been there where you work at a company and they go, this thing is going up 10 cents. Why? Because. We can't tell you why. Mm-hmm. That's That's just what it is. Both people may be annoying and may have weird bedside manners or whatever. But the first person, I can find a positive to what they're saying. And maybe some of those why questions will show me a blind spot where I say, oh, I didn't I didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. Where the second person, because all they want to do is be negative, And in some cases, it's because they perceive their they, they only look at their per, their perspective of an issue. So like if you if you picture like working at a restaurant, you've got your kitchen making food, you've got the people running the food from point A to point B, you've got the people in the front. And if the front has has a thing that is making their job 10% harder, but it's necessary to get the food to the customer and they just don't want to do it. So now the customer is not going to get the food because, or the right food because they don't want to do this thing. That's kind of the, the the thing that I'm going that I'm that I'm looking at. And even if I was to convert person two to a sugary sweet person, the fact that they're holding up the project, even if they really liked Star Wars, the fact that they're holding up the project, even if I could talk to them about baseball or basketball or Scarface or whatever, the fact that they're holding up the project is all I see in that moment. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to stop you there and, and challenge this thought process a little yeah. bit. Um, the, so we cleared out person number one. We both agree that that's a person that we can work through. We can answer the questions. We're confident in the answers and the reason why, and that's why we don't feel challenged. Mm-hmm. So we're able to answer them, able to talk to them, and explain it and move forward. Correct. We took the time to do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. The second person is making statements, not asking questions, saying, I don't want to do this. This is stupid. I refuse. Whatever the case may be, they're making statements, not asking questions. As a leader, there's a couple of things that come to mind for me from the, or even as like an industrial organizational psychologist. Okay. The, the, there's a couple of things that come up for me. One is that if someone is feeling that way, Others might be feeling that way too and just not voicing it. So if you don't address the elephant in the room, then it could build as resentment later on and it could um, take away trust. And even though this is costing time, that's because it's my agenda and I have a team that I have to get with and have them be on the same agenda. So the same amount of time I took answering somebody's questions who may have been patient, I gotta take that same amount of time with this person too because I have to find out what their why is if they're not asking why. And the other thing I could do is show them a perspective in a different way from how they're understanding and learning because verbally and and speaking to them, they're not getting it. So sometimes you have to change the perspective and I'm going to give an example I had um, you know one of the teams that I I've was blessed to be uh, leadership of 
I had to communicate to them that we were doing a price increase. And now we weren't supposed to have a price increase, but the way that things were happening with the economy and everything else, uh, it was happening. And it, this is like the second or third one that was happening in a short period of time. So I already knew in my head because I knew my leaders and I had great communication with them that there was going to be some sort of emotion going on in the room when I communicated this. So. I'm thinking in my head, how would, how should I approach this in a way that I can get them to eliminate fear, communicate it to their teams, and also um, understand the why behind it. And when I went into the room, um, I, you know, I, I, I kind of made it very dramatic, honestly, and over the top. And I said, guys, I have something to tell you. Um, they, they weren't all guys. That's just my. <laughs> dialect. Uh, I said, you know, the company has decided that we're going to do an overall increase, price increase. And so I see the eyebrows go up and that sort of thing. And I said, and I'm going to be honest with you, um, you know, it, it's it's going to be a big one. It's going to be $5 uh, per service that we're offering. And then I could start to see like the color drain from everybody's face. I said, so you know, I know that you have to communicate this to your teams as well. I said, so I put uh, poster uh, paper up all around the room and I put them into groups and I said, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to write down all the negative things about a $5 increase across the board on all services. Just write down like everything that you think your team is going to complain about, be worried about, be upset about, or behaviors you, that you think might happen. Just let everything out. This is a safe place write it all out, whatever it is that you're going to say, you know, let, let's let just, let's get it out. So I gave them time. I gave them probably like 15 minutes to really, as a group, let that fear out and talk it out together and write it all down. And then um, we had everybody read it out, out loud to the room and found that most groups had a couple of the same fears on there, but then there were different ones across the board. And so then I switched the groups. So like, let's say group one would go to group three's poster board, group three would go to group one and then two and one would switch, you know? So everybody had a different uh, poster that they were at. Now they're looking at the problems that the group wrote down. With me so far? Got it. And so then now what they had to do is as a leader, what's the solution to the, each of the problems that were written down? Come up with the positive be the one that leads the group with a positive thinking and gave them time and they worked through their own emotions together about it and challenged each other on their thinking well it's going to do this and this is what it's going to do for the employee this is what it's going to do for the business and this is how we can communicate it and this is the tools and resources that we have for that. and they came up with their own plan on this five dollar increase you know that's going to happen like immediately and so we went through that and I asked how everybody felt and they were like, you know what, like after going through it and, and kind of solving it, we feel kind of good. And I said, when it's not your problem, it's easier to come up with the solution for somebody else. And so when I had you guys switch and, and come up with answers for somebody else, it was a lot easier than staring at your own thoughts of perceived problems that were going to happen. And I said, so now I have to be honest again with you and tell you that I lied. I said, it's not going to be a $5 increase. It's actually a $1 increase. And it's happening in like three months from now, not like next week. And then the look of relief on their face that it wasn't as extreme as what they thought it was going to be was, well, we could have handled it if it was as extreme as we thought it was going to be. And now it, that it's only a dollar, like, boom, got it, right? And so thinking outside the box as a leader of anticipating, not predicting, anticipating what may be a feeling in the room based on what you're communicating, and then being creative in that if I was in their shoes, what would I need to know to be able to move forward from this? And really the discord is the person that's challenging the process has fear. And I don't know what the change was that you may be referring to or like what the d direction was, you know, um, obviously change of what they've been doing to now what they have to do could be a thing um, or they're taking over something and now they're just like, well, why was it done this way when, it, you know, they're thinking of a better way and they're just challenging the process or maybe they just want to add to 
the the process and now make it their own because they're taking it over. Whatever it is, you gotta find out the why so that you can speak to that. But if you only take it at face value as that they're a time waster, then my challenge is what makes them more of a time waster than the person that asked the questions versus the person that has a statement? Because you can get that taken care of with a question. What's your, what would be a better option? Tell me how, what results you expect to get from that versus the one that's being proposed. And what are you basing that on? Because if, if the results that we wanted, we were receiving from the way we've been doing it, would it make sense that we would change it? Right? And just kind of repeating back to them what they're challenging you on so that they can say, well, okay, wait a minute, let me think about this. No, you're right, we haven't been getting, or they could say, I don't know, I don't get to see the results. And that's where the fear is because they might be thinking everything's been going great and that's where you as a leader can own it and say, you know what, I'm sorry, we haven't had like a team meeting in a while and I haven't shared with you where we've been on our results. Now I can understand why you're confused and why all of a sudden this seems like a last minute change up. Here's the truth, we've been not achieving results, you know, and I'm looking to, really improve this team and put you guys in a great light. And this is the direction that uh, is chosen for us to do that so that we can grow as a team together and we can get those results and we can continue to move forward and really uh, show everybody else the right way to do it. I think that's a good solution. Um, I think in 99% of scenarios, that is a great approach. And um, I'll, I'll admit it's a gear that I've rarely been able to hit. <laughs> You're still practicing empathy, as yeah. we like to joke about. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a I'm a practicer Seriously. and not a, not a master of it. Um, there are still scenarios, and let's let's use the restaurant analogy. I thought you were going to say restroom, and I'm like, uh, restroom. I don't know. You, st- you said it's slow. Let's all go to let's pause go the, the pause the pause the podcast and take a restroom <laughs> break. But with the restaurant an- analogy. Let's say the health department says that you have to now cook stuff twice as long for whatever reason. There's like overcook the meat? Overcook <gasps> something. Or <gasps> or if you have a thing, you have to do some extra stuff to make. Or you have to take the temperature of something. When it used to be every 10 minutes, I had to do it every 5 minutes. The To me, the conversation of this is stupid... I mean, I can, I can take your approach, and it will probably, like I said, it'll work in ninety nine percent of cases. But there comes a point where people have to just say, you know what? It is what it is. It is, yeah. Let's- but if you don't like, okay, so you're a restaurant manager, let's say private restaurant, not a chain, mm-hmm. and health department tells you that, and you know it's going to change the quality of your food and the taste of the food, not only for like you, but for your customers who are accustomed to tasting things a certain way. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have a question for that that FDA person as oh yeah, ab- absolutely. Okay, but by the time that message gets to employees, I think and and you know to your point, it comes down to a matter of trust. The employee has to be trust has to trust that it's my business. I did everything. I don't want my. I don't want to serve bad food. So if I think it's a bad decision by the health inspector, I didn't just sit there and go, "Okay, we'll just overcook all the meat." I said something, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm still doing something, and it's stuff that I can't really talk about. You know, I, I think about like certain legal scenarios where people can get into, and they always say, "Hey, if you're involved in this litigation, don't say anything," mm-hmm. and so. But that's not a job. That's like part of, you know, the government system. Like that's the court system. That's judicial. That's what you have yeah. to do. Yeah, and there's no law that says don't talk about a lawsuit if you're suing somebody. That's just a thing that lawyers tell you. And for all I know, it could be just a thing that lawyers tell you on TV. Yeah. But the the point is that as an employee, yes, is it good to give feedback? Absolutely. Is it good to question? I mean, feedback and questioning, iron sharpens iron. That's how we get better. At the same time, there always comes a point where, you know, I asked, I voiced my concern. It was heard and it was acknowledged. Now we move on. And I know I'm speaking about a minority of, of, of circumstances. And 
if you're listening. But those are the ones that get, like, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? Mm-hmm. So those are the ones that always stand out and are talked about versus the ones that don't. So whether it's uh, a smaller percentage of people that fall into that category, those are the ones that stand out the most. Yeah. So it's still good to discuss. And it is. And to be honest, it also, like, in my in my personal life, when I do business with a company just like, say I'm going to um, I'm doing like our internet provider or whatever. I always judge companies on not how they deal with stuff like the 98% of the time where everything is working. I judge a company by how they deal with things when the stuff broke and you're telling me it's going to take you three weeks to come and fix it and I don't have TV or I don't have phone or whatever. In the same vein with employees, you're right. Like 99% of the time, we're all happy-go-lucky. The 1% that we have suddenly like a thing like, hey, we can't sell lettuce anymore uh, for three weeks because whatever. That's the point that it's it's your time to, to step up and shine. And yes, we can have conversations. And I think like, again, um, turning it into a question and making positive leadership choices is going to, I'm sure it's going to improve your retention. Um, I just think that sometimes there are scenarios where the employee kind of shoots themselves in the foot by being standoffish in a point where, hey, there's a there's a fire right now. Like I'm I'm more stressed than you because I've got like two mortgages in this place and I, I'm trying to like flip everything around and make payroll. And you're telling me you're mad about lettuce, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like. Um, but then again, that's the leader's agenda. So yeah. because the leader has stuff going on, whatever the employee has is a genuine concern. Like, you know, like what we talked about, what my brother said about, uh, you know, kids is that when they flip out, it's because that's the worst thing that's happened to them up until that point in their life. Right. So in that moment where it's not a big deal to you, it's a really big deal to them because they don't have payroll that they're worried about or the same concerns. But they're the ones on that front line from where you're Getting at in leadership. At. Yeah. Why is there no lettuce on my hamburger? Right, right. And, um, or why is this overcooked? Sorry, we had to burn the chemicals out of it and we had to cook it, you know, for an extra 15 <laughs> minutes on, you know, 500 degrees. Sorry about that. Um, enjoy your coal. And so <laughs> I think um, here's where the quiet firing happens in that, the leader doesn't have the competencies to be able to go ahead and um, take the time to mentor the employee and understand that it's not about the leader, or it could be, in that the leader has not always steered them in the right direction and hasn't owned up to the accountability, uh, or they don't have integrity, or they don't have the answers, and they don't own up to it and say, I don't know, but I'll find out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get back to you and just being vulnerable. Um, and, you know, one of my peers used to use this phrase uh, with employees that were, you know, that of that type that would always have a challenge or just not even a challenge that would always just be defiant and or however she perceived it. And she would ask them, have I ever communicated to you anything in the past that would make you not trust me or think that I would put you in a position that was unsafe or that would not make you successful? And that would really challenge the employee's thought process on, well, no. And, you know, how long have we worked together? We've worked together, you know, for X amount of years. So why would I start doing that now? Why why would you start feeling this way now about it? And that caused the employee to stop and think, and it, it separates the emotion from you know what was actually being asked of that person to do. And I think taking the time to discover that versus using all that time to create an environment that's toxic to push this person out because they challenge you when you don't have the confidence to speak up and and answer the questions or address the elephant in the room, um, you know, that's where leadership has a better opportunity because 
again, if this situation is presented to you over and over again with different employees, let's say you go ahead and you push this employee over the edge and they just leave the store, right? They end up quitting, whatever. You get the next employee who's still sitting there and they're using their critical thinking skills and they're like, it just doesn't make sense to me to burn lettuce. Like, I don't understand why we're doing this. I'm not gonna burn lettuce. I wouldn't eat burn lettuce, you know, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And again, you're you're pushing them out the door. The universe is gonna serve you that same employee in different forms until you learn how to communicate better with that employee because you're building your own team. You're starting to hire your own team. You're hiring the same person with the same kind of uh, personality and questions. Clearly, you're being put in a position to grow and understand how to handle the situation better. But with a lack of confidence, and instead taking a false bravado and using that to bully somebody out of a workplace environment due to lack of your own skill set, that's just uh, a terrible way to live. And thinking about what that employee is going to take with them when they leave the store, when they go home at night, or you know, like on top of anything else that they have going on, you don't want to be that person that didn't try in their life. You know, and I think even just as a leader, your if we're talking about the basic uh skill set that's needed from you is to mentor and coach your employees i'm not saying you have to have a therapy session with a couch in the back room and have them lay down and talk to you about all the reasons why they feel the way that they feel and that the reasons why they don't trust people in their life they have to understand what the directive is from you and why they should trust you on the directive. And if they're questioning you and they're constantly questioning you, it's because there has been a broken trust somewhere. And I also believe that if, to your point, if this person that is always challenging the process is doing it in an unprofessional way, like I said, I'm gonna repeat it again, if they're like cursing at you on the floor, if you guys get into a heated argument one-on-one and it's unprofessional communication, if things that are are said inappropriately uh, after the conversation on the floor, like causing gossip, causing like a toxic environment, things like that, things that would be documented in your policy, that's when you address it, right? But if there's legitimate questions being asked and they're not being a hard ass, they're like seriously sitting there asking those questions, it's your job to go ahead and address those. That's what you do as a leader. You're leading them to understand what the goal is and what we're moving towards as a team together and this is why and this is what the expected result is and then what the plan is should that not happen and how we're going to communicate each step of the way just like project management now you're just doing it as human management or human leadership as opposed to like on the computer with paperwork and i think the final thing that i'm going to say to leadership, because ultimately this comes back to what leadership has to do. It, it it all comes back to leadership in this scenario, because the behavior of quiet firing, no matter how it's implemented, if it's not by policy, whether government policy or the policy of the company, honestly, it's bullying. And it's either passive aggressive bullying or it's blatant bullying. Uh, whatever it is, it's creating an uncomfortable environment, which is exactly what you expect your employees not to do, but yet you're modeling in that way. And what I would say is if there's a person there that you know we described in the beginning of this podcast that's doing their job, doing everything that's expected of them, there's no complaints, there's nothing to be written up for, yet you're treating them as somebody that's in middle school and like really bullying this person, um, and, and creating a toxicity uh, within not only their mindset, but within uh, the team and within the place of work, I would say uh, smack it down, flip it and reverse it. If it was you and you were working in a place that you absolutely loved or you're in that position now and your leader was pushing you out for no reason that was communicated or that you could find that would justify it because there really is no justification to bullying what would you want to have happen what would you wish your leader would do for you what would you wish your leader would say to you or communicate with you or what would you want to see happen so that it could be resolved and you can move forward uh versus just trying to get them out because you don't have time to deal with somebody's questions or somebody's resistance because they genuinely are passionate about their job and they just want to understand the goal so that they can move forward full heartedly. 
Well, unlike those bosses that don't have time to deal with your questions and your uh, resistance, we have all the time in the world. So if you head on over to uh, TikTok and find the underscore IO underscore shrink, give us your questions. Give us your questions on this episode. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you think about quiet firing and... We'll see you. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share.